The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome back. I wanted to ask you a few questions. Have you ever considered what your beliefs are, how they are affecting your life? what they might be creating in your life, what they might be creating in your body. Have you ever considered that if we all had certain thoughts or beliefs or affirmations that we might actually be able to change things? What if we each, every single one of us on the planet, had a script that began just like this? I believe in peace. I believe in the sacredness of life. I believe that all life is sacred. I believe there is a future for our children. I believe in caring for our planet. I believe in caring for others. Could it really be that simple? Could we possibly attain global peace by transforming one person at a time, one mind at a time, every belief at a time? Well, my guest today is the award-winning New York Times best-selling author of more than 300 books, audio, and video programs. Eldon Taylor is the inventor of the patented InnerTalk technology and the founder and president of Progressive Awareness Research. He has been called a master of the mind, and he is releasing a, a really, really wonderful book entitled, I Believe, When What You Believe Matters. And believe has always been a really powerful, important word for me, and much of my work has been really trying to figure out what it is that I really do believe and whether I needed to let that go or make that broader. And so I'm really excited about this conversation tonight and going really deeply into what our beliefs mean for us. So welcome, Eldon Taylor, to 1111 Talk Radio. No, thank you very much. It's my pleasure to join you, Simran. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Absolutely. It's a powerful book. You go into a lot of things that are practical, that help us to really see what's going on. And you start off the book really talking about the unlimited influence that belief has on us. So how does belief affect who we are, how we are, and what we are? You know, there's there's a one-liner for that one, and it's <laughs> everything. Uh, the, the bottom line is, after over 30 years of research in very diverse areas, but specializing in in what it means to believe in yourself, I've discovered, uh, as, as the scientific literature clearly supports, that what you believe is first, last, and always the most important aspect about everything in your life. We know now, uh, through the science of epigenetics, that your belief can influence the manifestation of the DNA molecule. 
we have known for years that you can uh, place yourself in an environment uh, of, say, you know, uh, an optimal age, uh, uh, say the age of 20. Uh, Ellen Langer did this with subjects in New York State. She took them to a cabin. Uh, there the environment was totally 1950. These were older uh, citizens that, for all intent and purposes, 1950 meant their optimal uh, period of life. They were in their mid-20s to early 30s. All of them at the time she took them in, they were in the mid-60s uh, or, or older. After one week in an environment filled only with a kind of television, uh, the kind of video, uh, magazines, uh, head story, lead stories, etc., and people of like age, when every assessment was taken of these uh, uh, senior citizens, they had reversed the aging process by 10 years. Um, by simply immersing themselves in an era where their memory, which is a part of your belief system, their memory revivified what it was like to be in your mid-20s, what it was like to hear that music, uh, and so forth. We, we know from the, the research today that multiple personality patients, uh, in one personality can be hypoglycemic, snap your fingers, they change personalities, and they have normal blood sugar. Now, that's not as puzzling as this. We also know that in one personality, a patient could be blue-eyed, and in the next, brown-eyed. Yes. And there are instances where tumors the size of a baseball, cancerous tumors, disappear, snap change of a personality. Now, what happens when you change a personality in a multiple personality disordered patient, but a new belief system, a new memory line, if you will, engages? I see myself to be something else, someone else living a different kind of life. And immediately when that belief kicks in, so my physical, uh, my physical body changes. You know, research with placebo show us that a fancy colored, uh, say, bright red placebo in a capsule, um, in a shiny box, has more healing power than a plain white generic looking placebo like an aspirin without a label on it. Somehow we evaluate our treatment protocols based on the way we assess uh, quality of uh, health care that is coming at us or the quality of life that we're selecting because they're both true. We know this. We know... Well, now, Elder, let me, let me stop right there because you're opening up a big can of monkeys and I'm talking about that monkey mind that is running all over the place at this point, believing all kinds of things. And in the work of consciousness, so many people write about belief and creation being part mind and thought and part heart. So when you're speaking of belief, are you talking about the belief of the mind or is it also combined with feeling? Or how, talk about how that works. Okay, good. You know, I, I've never seen a mind walk down the street all by itself. <laughs> and so, you, I, you know, I don't believe that it is a, uh, any value whatsoever to look at mind and heart separately. I know that is a common practice. Um, but I do generally believe that we can become very left brain and very intellectual and betray what we really feel, but then that's not truly what we, what we believe. What we really feel is what we believe. How do we get to that? Well, 
for years, I've looked at what William James called a stream of consciousness. A stream of consciousness is just quite simply how we talk to ourselves, what I think of as inner talk. So, you know, it's quite common when I'm giving a presentation to demonstrate this difference by simply asking the audience, how many of you want to make a million dollars this year? And everybody will raise their hands. And then I point out to them that in order to make the million dollars, you must truly believe that you have that capability. Uh, unless you win a lottery, uh, which is, you know, you, you, I think the probability of winning, say, the New York lottery is less likely than being attacked by a polar bear and a grizzly in the same day. So uh, unless you win a lottery, you're going to have to believe in yourself, believe that you have the ability to do that. So I want you to say silently, quietly to yourself, this year I'm going to make a million dollars. Now what happens is within just a minute or two, not even a minute, within a few seconds, I see smiles in the audience. Because what happens is we get this inner talk that comes back, this little sentry on the inside that says things to us like, sure, what are you going to do, rob a bank? Uh, in other words, our stream of consciousness does not agree, does not believe this, this outer information that we think we're putting in because that's our conscious thought, our conscious talk. Well, our conscious decisions out here, our left brain decisions, they're not necessarily everything that we believe. In fact, the research would support this notion and does so entirely. The conscious mind is kind of the, the tail. The dog is the unconscious. The tail gets wagged by the dog. We know from solid research, the first of which Benjamin Libet did back in the 50s, but it's been replicated many, many times since, and, and not just with a, a multicranial EEG as Libet did, looking for P300 or cortical evoked potential, but now using functional magnetic resonance imaging. We know that information, the stimulus that is the information giving you a conscious thought, or a conscious movement is given to you by the unconscious, the subconscious, and areas of the brain that, that manage that information. So yes. in a very real sense, there are arguments on campuses across the globe today having to do with free will. If it is the case that the information given to us by the unconscious is the information that we use, um, that we make our decisions on, that is who we really are, that reflects our genuine, true beliefs that is the um, container that holds all of our defense strategies and our experiences, etc. And the conscious mind is just acting out a program that the, the binary language, if you will, in the background is giving it. Well, then what, what do we mean when we say we have free will? Everything would seem to be somewhat determined. We know that that information occurs so quickly within three hundredths of a second that there isn't time for the conscious mind to override it. So the only way for us to really control that is to control what we put in the unconscious. So if our stream of consciousness is disagreeing with our outer desires, our goals, our objectives, if we're saying to ourselves, you know, I am well, I'm healthy, and we're hearing back, really? I don't feel like it. I'm really tired. You know, when do I get a... Or, or any and all of that, including that stream of language that's voiced upon us when we're young and, and going through our normal enculturation process, that what I think of as the no-don't syndrome, where you're told you're not old enough, you're not smart enough, uh, you know, maybe you're told things like you're stupid, you, you're funny-looking, you're skinny, you're fat, all of that negativity that we then 
wrap defense mechanisms around to make certain we don't have to deal with it again in the future. We, we want to minimize that kind of pain. And so these mechanisms all exist in the unconscious. They're making our choices. We so think our, we're choosing, our... but we're not choosing at all. In that very real sense, you have to look and say, the only thing that, that's happening in my life right this minute or the lives of anybody else, is I'm acting out a screen, on a screen, the language that is given to me by the unconscious. So is there a difference between the heart and the mind? Not at a level uh, that for all intent and purposes is the meaningful level about what I truly feel or truly believe. What some people, and I don't mean to belabor this, but what some people attach to the emotional side of life and that's the very important side of life, tend to ignore is that our hearts aren't always happy. Our hearts can hold the same kinds of ill thoughts, if you will, that our minds can hold. They can feel the despair of rejection. They can feel the sadness of loss. So what we really think and what we really feel in my mind, it's problematic to attempt to separate those. So are you listening to your outer talk or are you listening to your inner talk? Or are you allowing yourself to hear both? Are you happy, healthy, and successful in all that you do? If not, then read I Believe and learn about the beliefs that are holding you back. When you discover the full power of your beliefs, you will finally understand why your life is the way it is and you'll be fully empowered to achieve your highest dreams. Right now, uh, we have available for you an early bird special for wellness, just a state of mind if you would like to pre-register and that is for the I Believe Orders placed through Eldon Taylor's Mind Mint Bookstore before March the 13th and that's totally free with your order. So you can go to eldentaylor.com and you can see where it says to click on the pre-launch and you can get that plus a number of free gifts that are being offered and uh, there's a whole host of things along with some uh, registration to win some grand prizes so you can definitely participate in quite a few wonderful wonderful gift categories there and, and there Taylor is you're forgetting Simran that you're giving a wonderful gift <laughs> yes and you can have access to 1111 magazine completely free so definitely participate in that Eldon Taylor is an award-winning New York Times best-selling author of more than 300 books audio and video programs he is the inventor of the patented inner talk technology and founder and president of progressive awareness research we'll be right back with Eldon Taylor eldentaylor.com <laughs> The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 
Today's 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. I'd like to invite you to visit 1111mag.com and you can access 1111 Magazine free forever now. The March-April issue of 2012 has just been released and it's been uploaded, so that is available for you. And there are some wonderful, absolutely wonderful, amazing articles by Maureen Moss, Alea Deo, Nick Ortner, absolutely fabulous issue themed Into the Ashes. So many of us are going through dark nights of the soul or feeling things shed or releasing beliefs that we have held that no longer serve us. And this allows you to understand that there is sometimes a journey that the soul takes in stepping into the fire and allowing things to burn to ashes so that something else can be birthed anew. A gentleman that truly understands the mind, understands the manipulation of the mind, the defenses, the psychology of the human being is Eldon Taylor, and he is my guest today, an award-winning New York Times best-selling author of more than 300 books, audio and video programs, is releasing I Believe, When What You Believe Matters. It is in its pre-register stage for pre-launch, and you can go ahead and register for your own book and receive numerous gifts in that, along with uh, registration for some grand prizes that are going to be given away by going to his website, eldentaylor.com. Definitely look through that website. There's some amazing things to look at. He is the inventor of the patented InnerTalk technology, and if you are interested in gaining more control over your self-talk and your inner beliefs, you may wish to try Eldon's patented audio technology, InnerTalk. Independent researchers have repeatedly proven that InnerTalk is effective at changing thoughts and thereby influencing behavior in a variety of areas affecting daily life. So if you've got that monkey mind going on and we want to release those monkeys from the cage and get into some different belief systems, then that might be an answer for you. Eldon, we were talking about that there really is no division between mind and heart and that we kind of have to look at them as one and the same. And I've always felt like we were born and we were brought into an environment that gave us certain belief systems and we go through our journey of the soul and all of a sudden we realize that what we were taught is not necessarily what we need to believe and then we start having to forget everything that we were taught and try to learn what we really desire to believe. So when we are in that process when that we're going into the ashes like that and we're releasing the belief systems or wanting to expand the beliefs that we have is it that we are to ask ourselves on a moment by moment basis what is it i believe about this or or is it simply just uh quieting and, and starting to listen to that subconscious voice that that bubbles up from the heart or from the subconscious from time to time you know simran i think it's both and more uh, the bottom line is, when we look at 
an individual from a standpoint of uh, who they really think they are and who they genuinely trust. The last person in the world that each of us are likely to trust is ourselves. Mm-hmm. We know from experiments with authority that the authority has the ability to override even our best judgment. And, you know, most people are aware of the famous electrical shock delivery research that was done by Stanley Milgram years ago where uh, subjects were told to deliver electric shock to uh, uh, experimenters were told to deliver the electric shock to subjects and even when those subjects, uh, pretending to receive the shock, cried out in, in pain and, and agony, uh, and, and the, uh, the experimenter uh, hesitated about delivering it, when the authority said deliver it, they went ahead and did so. It would appear to be lethal uh, levels of shock. We know that, well, in fact, let me tell you this. Years ago, about 15 years ago, I ran a study uh, having to do with oncology patients. What we did is we had a number of physicians, healthcare professionals, uh, that participated in the study, and we provided them with InterTalk programs, uh, a, a Freedom from Cancer program that had been designed to change the way they talked to themselves, thereby changing their expectation about wellness, and thereby, if you will, psychoneuroimmunizing them. Uh, against uh, the cancer progressing and becoming worse and, and perhaps even, you know, with, in quotation marks, hoping to gain something like remission. All right. Three years later, we compiled the data. So this was a longitudinal study, and there were two strike. There were several areas that I broke out of the study, but two striking areas. The first one was every single patient who believed the mind had a role in wellness that used the program and whose physician believed the mind had a role in patient uh, or in wellness was in remission three years later. Complete remission. That was very exciting and very rewarding, but not as troublesome or bothersome as the other set of data. That set of data said... Every single patient, regardless of what they believed, whose health care professional reported that the mind had no role in wellness, that belief had no role in health, those patients were deceased. Oh, wow. Now, at the time, that really troubled me, Simran, because what's the mechanism here? I mean, is it, I mean, the patients, some of these patients reported in their appraisal that they, they thought belief had a role in in the progression of their disease or in wellness, but their physician didn't. So what did that mean? What was that, some kind of an iatrogenic effect that hadn't been looked at before, like the physician speaking when a patient is under anesthesia and saying something, you know, like this one won't recover or, you know, something negative? What, what was that? Now, years later, as technology advanced, uh, we derived the ability to watch the brain in live motion as, as it processes information. And, and functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI, gives us that ability. And what we discovered was that the caudate nucleus, which is an area of the brain that discriminates, that makes decisions, shuts down in the presence of an authority. It just turns off. In other words, 
we abrogate our power. We give it away to the authority. The authority is in charge. The authority knows best. Well, now, if you think about it, come back to your question, how we're socialized, how we're enculturated, we are taught from the time we are the smallest to listen to the authority. And we live in a society of of separate disciplines. We have specialized. So, you know, we don't just have medicine anymore. We have several branches of medicine. We don't just have, uh, you know, behavioral sciences. We have sociology and psychology and experimental psychology and, 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 and on and on. We, we have specialized. And because we specialized, we give power to each of these separate disciplines. And if we don't have that knowledge, well, then we look to that discipline to tell us. Well, that sounds like then what we need to establish is a sense of inner authority. And, and you talk a lot about belief in self, and, and it really does sound like that authenticity and that, you know, who am I and understanding that and really getting to a place of starting to discover the individual themselves as being the decision maker, the one in charge, the one that can truly change things. Is that what you're saying? That's absolutely correct. I mean, and that's why you have to, one, monitor your thoughts. Two, understand that you probably reason from a system of sound bites. Um, and, and you have all your life, you, you have been taught to reason that way. Names, dates, places... Uh, they formulate the sound bites. Sound bites are really interesting. Now, I'm not, please, I'm not taking a side in this issue, but I just want to give you an example of what I mean here before we jump forward. Um, because this is something I specialize in, I pay very close attention to what um, the twists, if you will, are that are going on in, in the national scene and the international scene. And not long ago, I, I was watching two different stations, one a very conservative, the other a very liberal um, uh, station, and, and they were having a poll on the same subject. Now, on one station, the poll was phrased this way. Should poor taxpayers be forced to pay for rich kids to go to private school? You know, if I hear that sound by my answer is absolutely not. On the other station, the same question was put this way. Should poor taxpayers be forced to pay taxes, even get two jobs, in order to put their children into private schools since public schools are failing? Now, the question is about school vouchers. My bias, whatever my internal bias is, is going to decide which of these networks I typically watch. The one that I watch is going to give me the soundbite. And if I hear the soundbite about the school voucher that says poor taxpayers uh, paying for rich kids, I am going to be opposed to, to school vouchers. I am never going to go look at what school vouchers are. The likelihood of me getting on the Internet is a case in point and seeing who uses school vouchers, what countries use them, how do they impact the public education system, is there, who, who pays for it, where does the revenue come from, what is the advantage and the distance. The likelihood of me really investigating the impact of school vouchers is nil to none. And the reason for that is I have been trained to take these sound bites, to take the, the names, dates, and places, and to use those as the basis of my reason. I build syllogisms from them. In fact, the people that want to control our thoughts, if you will, which is just about everybody, and, and indeed, 
in my book, Mind Programming, I give you names, dates, and places of the billions and billions and billions of dollars that have been dedicated to what today is known uh, not just as the scientific marketing that Bernays advanced back in the 50s when he fathered all of this, uh, but what we think of now as neuromarketing technology because we use, uh, and I say you, we, I should say they use uh, <laughs> the latest technology like functional magnetic resonance imaging to look at how the brain responds to stimuli, to, to see what, what causes us to make a decision, what causes us to be motivated. In fact, one study recently, and this flies in the face of just common sense, but it's how we react and it causes us to think deeper about these subconscious motives, showed that if you show a smoker the uh, warning on a pack of, the Surgeon General's warning on a pack of cigarettes, it caused him to want to smoke more. So what did the tobacco companies do? Well, they just make it larger and they print it on more sides of the pack. That's all part of the marketing. All of this is, has trained us to think inadequately about thinking. So it's like so we have are... never learned to think about thinking. So not only do we have to listen to our stream of consciousness and the self-doubt that comes from it and cancel it as it comes in and actively work at reprogramming it through many, many means that we can do every day that cost us not a penny, but we also need to analyze what it is that we believe based on the logic we've used to derive that, based on the biases that we have that are a result. I mean... I'm going to stop you right there, Eldon, so that we can go to a commercial break and then continue that conversation. And what I want you listeners to think about during this time is how are you letting the media and everything around you affect you? Has our world turned into what it is now simply because we have allowed the sound bites that are showing up around us to mold our thoughts, mold our behaviors, and mold our actions into turning this world into what it has become? It's time to become more conscious, to take charge of our own lives, find the inner authority, and ask the questions to allow ourselves to be released from beliefs that bind us and keep us small. It's time to start to believing a little bit bigger and doing the inner work required to allow that to express and expand us in much greater ways. My guest today is Eldon Taylor. And he is the author of I Believe, When What You Believe Matters. You can find out more about this book and all of the work that Eldon Taylor does at eldontaylor.com. That's E-L-D-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R.com. We'll be right back. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset. 
Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. What is it that you believe? Where did you acquire those beliefs? Did you know that your beliefs govern your entire life experience, from your health to your success at work, from your relationships to your DNA itself? To do the impossible, you must first believe it is possible. Uh, along with the wonderful book that is coming out entitled I Believe When What You Believe Matters by Eldon Taylor, they have also created a program titled I Believe and it is the affirmations that uh, are in this book and they are all about recognizing and fully appreciating the similarities between all people of the world. And there's a script that you'll follow, and it is what I read in the beginning of the show, and you can go back and listen to the archives and hear that again. But allowing yourself to say the statements, I believe in peace, I believe in the sacredness of life, or I believe in whatever it is that you're wanting to believe that is for the greater good of yourself and everyone else, can allow us to truly change our experiences, and global peace can actually be accomplished if each one of us take that responsibility. People inherently have within them both the yin and the yang of the outside world, and research clearly shows that lying dormant in the average person is the ability to do absolutely cruel things. With that said, there is also a side of us that wants to inspire, and even the most pessimistic among us wants to be inspired. We all love redemption, and in fact, many of us would like to be a catalyst that turns the bad into good, which is part of the reason that so many women are attracted to so-called bad boys. We cherish the heroes, as we should. And this is part of what is written in the book, I Believe, by Eldon Taylor. It is wonderfully written, so I urge you to get your copy. Go ahead and pre-register for that on his website at eldentaylor.com. Now, we were speaking about uh, consumption from people and how we are kind of guided by these sound bites, and I want to have you continue where you left off so that we can finish out that conversation, Elton. Yeah, just, you know, there, there are several examples I could give, but there's, well, there's one that is my favorite that illustrates how you know, idiotic some of the beliefs that we hold are. I mean, w- without going into great detail, the context-bound definitions, the implicit assumptions, the hidden biases, uh, and so forth that we, our minds operate from uh, really give rise to a definition, I think, of his mindlessness. Uh, but here, let, let me give you an example, a real-life example. The entire listening audience can participate in this. Uh, it's an example of something you can think of as dissonance, because we, we have a, a lot of dissonance in our society, and I, it's, it's difficult to find an individual that doesn't possess a lot of dissonance within themselves. And cognitive dissonance is just simply the idea holding two mutually exclusive uh, beliefs without ever recognizing that they are mutually exclusive to one another. Uh, So here we go. 
I want you to think, if you will, for a minute about the saliva in your mouth. I want you to taste it, move it around, and I realize just how important it is. I'm sure you do too, uh, Samran, because without it, you can't do your radio show. Uh, and, and anyone that has ever had a dry mouth knows how uncomfortable that is. So I want you to appreciate the saliva in your mouth, and I want you to, you know, kind of decide, you know, does that taste good? Are you glad you have it? Is it tasteless? I mean, give it, give it on a you know, scale of 1 to 10, an appreciation mark. Something you like? In my book, it gets a 10. I like it. I do not like not having it. Okay. Now what I want you to do is I want you to imagine that you have a little shot glass in front of you. You know, one like you'd see at a bar, just a little shot glass. It's clear. And and what you're going to do is you're going to spit some of that saliva into that shot glass. Now it's in the shot glass. You're going to kind of tip it a little. You see those air bubbles. What I want you to do now is drink it back. Now, if you're like 99.9% of the population, the minute I said drink it back, you went, ugh. (laughs) And the reason for that is this. The spit in my mouth, the saliva that I I have in my mouth, that's one thing. But if you have spit in a glass, the context has changed, and it's something else. And we probably feel that way about everything. We probably hold that about most things in life. We have one view, and then we also have an opposite view. That's exactly correct. And caught in that polarity, if you will, it's impossible for us to make intelligent decisions, intelligence choices. So we typically are repeating like little black Sambo's tiger that ran in circles chasing his tail. That that kid story, we're typically repeating the same things over and over and over again, as opposed to stepping out of it. Yeah, I, I, to me, enlightenment is a journey. Uh, I, 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 I love a book by Herman Hass. It is titled Siddhartha. Um, it's a Pulitzer Prize winning novel. It's an older book now. But it's a story of, of a man who seeks enlightenment. Ultimately, to discover, even after coming face-to-face with the Buddha and recognizing that he was enlightened, that in order to become enlightened, you must live into yourself. It's not something someone else can give you. It even It's not something someone else can really teach you. It's something you must answer for yourself. It's something that comes from within that is revealed from within as a result of living out who you are. We can't possibly get to that if we understand that we're all pretending to be something else. And we're all pretending to be something else because we're raised to be that. And we, we, we not only are raised to be that because... Well, we want to avoid being rejected, so we dress like our peers. Um, we want to avoid uh, looking silly, so you know we we find ourselves orchestrating a, a movement very similar to whatever is going on in the media, whatever is popular, whatever is uh, you know the the clothing to wear, et cetera, and so forth. I, I'm reminded of a quotation from from a favorite author of mine. Uh, that basically, well, here, I've got it in front of me. We are all, as the years pass, falling in step in order to the march to beat to the same of, uh, to the beat of the same drummer, racing forward or backward at the same pace as all others, smiling almost on command, 
mass-produced beings with no more individuality than any of the millions of saltine crackers that emerge daily from the ovens of Nabisco. Now, that's on, you know, on page two of my book, I believe. And the reason it's there is if you stop and think about your last original thought, what was my last truly original thought? That's the question that when I ask, I get the same answer. Silence. And mm. that's because what, what was our last original thought? I mean, don't, our thoughts come from bumper stickers. Our thoughts come from movies. Our thoughts come from one-liners out of the, out of the, the various forms of media that we consume. Uh, our ambitions are what? Well, we want to carry a so briefcase, walk me... down the streets in New York. We want to drive a Mercedes. We want... Where did we get that ambition? So that brings me to a couple of questions that I've been kind of holding on to. Um, and one of those is, where is meditation in all of that? You know, where does the beliefs go? Where does the mind go? How, does that play a role in our creating and our believing and our uh, manifestation? How does that play in this? And then the second question that I want you to get into is, what is the distinction then from between belief and knowing? Okay, meditation. Let's take that one first. Uh, the role of meditation is twofold in my, my view. The first one is it can be contact. That is, listen, I'm going to meditate like the monk in Tibet with the sole purpose of losing myself, immersing myself in the one, and having what Plotinus called the ineffable experience, one with the one, contact meditation. Uh, that requires usually a lot of training, takes years, but the reward is incredible. Along the way, I think of a more practical meditation that is a part of the training to get to contact meditation, and that practical meditation is before you're going to contact the ineffable, you're going to discover that the ineffable you're attempting to contact is within. Yes. And, and, the, and, and the only way for you to discover that is to discover who you are. Yes. Now we come right back to, you know, look, as children, we pretend to be things. We, we even stand in front of mirrors. You know, young men may stand there of, of my age and, you know, make their finger to be a gun and point in that mirror and say, go ahead and make my day, you know, because that's a great one-liner out of a Clint Eastwood movie, isn't it? I mean, that shows that you're macho and, you know. Uh, I have a friend, a psychologist in Utah, that admits that he kissed his pillow over 200 times practicing before he kissed his first girlfriend on their first date. He wanted to make sure he had that kiss down just right. We all practice. We practice how we walk. We practice how we talk. We change our clothes. We, we get out of that three-piece suit and tie that we might wear to a funeral or on a university campus throw on our Levi's and cowboy boots. I have a ranch here. When I put on my boots and my shafts, I literally recognize that I begin to think differently. I begin to walk differently. I have to correct myself to be the same person. In very real sense, most of us are chameleon-like. We change as we change what we're doing and what the clothes are that we're wearing and the company that we're keeping. And the reason we're doing that is we don't know who we really are. We are all these things we have practiced to be. Meditation is the one way that I know that you can get into who you are, who you genuinely are, who you were born to be, 
What's important to you? What feels right to you? What is it that you know? You know, I know you've got a hard break coming up, and I and I, I want to make this point, so you cut me off at any time okay. on that break, <laughs> okay? Uh, but there's, there's a story that I love to share that has to do with Pythagoras, the great mathematician, geometrist. We all know about Pythagorean theorem, but not many people realize he was a mystic and he had a brotherhood. And it was a, it was a real coveted uh, prize to become a member of that brotherhood. There were certain things that you had to do and processes you had to go through and uh, standards you had to meet in order to become a member of the brotherhood. And once you had met all of them, there was one last trial. You had to appear before the entire brotherhood and tell them one thing that you knew for certain. One thing that you knew for certain. Uh, I, I've, I've thought about that many, many times. What is it that I would say? Because the whole idea was, once you appeared before the Brotherhood and you told them whatever you were going to tell them, say you said, well, I, I know there's a God. Well, then immediately the rest of the Brotherhood, including Pythagoras himself, would on cue attack you. They would make light of what you said. God, huh? now what, what, is this a man or is a woman? You know, Is he all-powerful? Can he build a rock so large he can't lift it? And they would begin to use their best logic to dissuade you from what you had said. And very often, the candidate was dissuaded. And because he was, he was not admitted to the brotherhood. I thought, what, what is it that I would, I would say is the one thing, the epistemological certainty that I could say that I knew? And when you know this, and it's in the book, it changes everything about your life. I could say with a certainty, as you could, Simran, or your audience could say, I'm an experience experiencing. You see, I may not be Eldon Taylor. I mean, I am right this minute, but what if, I mean, if life goes on, I'm not always going to be Eldon Taylor. Maybe I lived in a prior life. You know, maybe I'm going to go on to be an acorn. Uh, but what I am for sure is the experience that I'm having. I'm not a noun. I'm a verb. And the minute I make that transition, you're a verb too. And we are now in a transaction. We are exchanging information. Hopefully, we're pollinating one another. And everyone else that's, that, that's present in this conversation in ways that prospers all of us. All of a sudden, by understanding... I'm going to cut you off right there, Eldon, so that we can take this quick break, and then we're going to get right back into that conversation. You are an experience experiencing, and you can find out more about that experience of you by allowing yourself to ask some questions to dig a little deeper, to go into some of the concepts that might be puzzling you about life that you haven't really taken the time to look at. And some of those things might be the chapters that are within this wonderful book called I Believe, Who Am I, Life in Pain, Love and Cruelty, The Gods of Science, Trying, Losing, and Persisting, Instinct and Intuition, Afterlife and End of Life. What's wrong with this picture, the law of attraction? There's some amazing chapters in here and a lot of incredible information, and it truly will shed light on much of what is going on in your life, the perceptions, the creations, the belief systems that you're holding. You can get uh, connected with Eldon Taylor at eldentaylor.com. Pre-register your book and allow yourself to receive all of the amazing gifts that he has right now that are going to be available with that, and also take a look at some of the other wonderful work that Eldon does, including his uh, patented technology. Technology of Inner Talk. We'll be right back with Eldon Taylor. EldonTaylor.com.
the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. I want to pack in as much as possible with Eldon Taylor in our last segment, so I'm just going to mention his website right now. It is eldentaylor.com. The book is I Believe, When What You Believe Matters. Definitely take a look. Go back and listen to the show again because there's a lot packed in it, and I'm sure that there's points that you want to hear one more time. So I'm going to let you continue, Eldon, and uh, hopefully we can get these other couple of points in that I want people to hear about. Sure. Well, now, you had two questions before we went yes. to break. The first one was on meditation. I think we pretty well covered that. The other is the difference between belief and knowing. Have I got that one right? Yes, yes, okay. the distinction. Because if we are if we are looking at our beliefs and, and what we need to keep and not keep, but yet there is a knowing that comes, how do we distinguish between those two? Okay, let's let's pick up from from where we were. If we're an experience experiencing, what is it that we can say for certain that we know? Well, we can know everything that we experience. Why would we begin in our life divorcing ourselves from our own experience and giving priority, quote, to knowledge obtained through someone else's eyes? Mm. When, when we look at belief, it should be based upon my own personal potential, my own personal level of knowing. How can I know anything? Well, let's see. Uh, when I was a boy, you know, I, I, I was told I had rheumatic fever and I wouldn't be able to play basketball and do things of that nature. And I said, you know, now, wait a minute. Um, I like basketball more than I like rheumatic fever. I, I like basketball more than I like a heart murmur. I'm going to play basketball. I don't have a heart murmur anymore. And you know what? They couldn't find a heart murmur, and I went on and played basketball. When we have experiences in our lives where what we do is we experience the miraculous, we experience the, the unexplained, most of us shove it out of the way. 
most of us fail to acknowledge it because it doesn't fit well within that set of of rules, regulations, and knowledge base that we get through our education. Science today tells us that the world, this earth that we live in, this life that we live, is a matter of randomness uh, that occurred out of chaos, uh, that there's, you know, these notions of a creator, uh, they're just, as Freud would say, sugar-coated neurotic crutches. Okay? It's very easy for our young people to thereby grab on to the so-called uh, intellectual elite and follow them because the rest of us that might say otherwise are being marginalized by these references to uh, sciences knowing it all, uh, having the answers, etc. When my experience would tell me otherwise. When I was a boy, 17 years of age, I was in an automobile accident and a train crushed the car I was in. I tell this story in one of my books, uh, What Does It Mean? It not only crushed the car I was in, it, it literally, the, the driver's side of the automobile was less than three feet high. The passenger that was with me had to be cut out of the car. To this day, I cannot tell you what happened. She had her hand on my leg when the train hit the car. Uh, and she asked the, the paramedics cutting her out of the car where I was. I wasn't in the car. Had I been in the car, I was dead. I was in the car when the train hit the car. Now, understand that. I was in the car when the train hit the car. It's impossible for me not to be in the car, but I was not in the car when I became conscious. I was standing in a field looking at everything. Time and space had, had passed. When I look at my own experience, I have to say that experience tells me there is much more in this life than what all my training in science is ready to recognize. I must integrate my experience in order to know what it is possible for me to believe. When, my, when I recognize that beliefs today control everything from the DNA molecule uh, to, to the, the death I might die from. In fact, a seminal study that I really love uh, that was carried out about 10 years ago um, at UC San Diego uh, took this, this perspective. It said, look, if you're born in China, uh, born under their birth sign, the birth sign says not only what your vocation and avocation will be, but what you will die of. If, if you believe that, if, if you accepted the birth sign as the Chinese population did during this period of time, um, this was 19th century period of time that was examined, well then, if you were born under the sign of the dog and it said you were going to die of cancer, we would expect that you would die of cancer. If belief has any role on that. So, uh, the research was done. The records were looked at. And you know what was found? If you believed, if your astrological sign said you would die of cancer, you died of cancer. If it said you would die of cardiac disease, you died of cardiac disease. If it said you would live a long, healthy life, laid into the hundred, it didn't matter what you did, it didn't matter what you ate, you drank, you smoked, etc. You lived a long, healthy life. What does that research suggest to us? It suggests 
that when I recognize that I am this experience that transcends this physical condition, that these these miracles that are attested to everywhere in the world and that every one of us have experienced in one way or another, the anomalous events that we can't explain, that as children we all know and then we shove aside, when, when I recognize that, I recognize that I am genuinely a co-creator and I am choosing to accept a belief that is either predatory upon myself or empowering of myself. And, and that therein, is the perfect place. That is the perfect place to finish out as them being cued that we need to close the show. I want to thank you very, very much, Eldon, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It was powerful, powerful information, and I appreciate it. Everyone, please go to eldentaylor.com. Uh, get the early bird special. If you order before March 13th, you get numerous free gifts in addition to wellness, just a state of mind download. Again, my guest is Eldon Taylor, and he has been a best-selling author of over, of over 300 books and audios, and you're definitely going to be happy that you visited that website, eldentaylor.com. I will see you next week. It's always a thrill to be with you. I'm Simran Singh. Until next time, be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.